This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where the state health department reports more than 6,500 new cases of coronavirus and 45 more fatalities. If you're planning an outdoor party or headed to the beach for the 4th of July, you have the governor's blessing. He says it's safer there than it is inside. You know, doing things outdoors in Florida uh, is less risky than doing things where you're packed indoors. As the governor continues to downplay the spike in COVID cases and says there's no going back on reopening, Democrats in the state Senate accuse him of failing Florida during the pandemic. You know, for much of this pandemic, the governor's approach, like the president's, has been hands off. And I think what we see is a continuation of leadership being a day late and a dollar short. And now we're hearing that people are waiting seven days, 11 days to get their test results. This is not the way that we're going to be able to solve this problem. I keep looking at what's going on here, and all I see is Ronnie's wheel of misfortune. You know, I feel like I'm watching the, the wheel of misfortune spin. The president's new trade deal with Canada and Mexico is now in effect, and the state agriculture commissioner says it could cost Florida growers $400 million a year and eliminate 8,000 jobs in the Sunshine State. The governor has signed Senate Bill 404 requiring girls who are under 18 to get notarized permission from at least one parent before they can have an abortion. Backers of the new law say it's all about protecting girls and preserving the rights of parents, but the head of Planned Parenthood in Florida says it's just politicians playing their games. You want your physician and the patient to be making those decisions, not a bunch of people in Tallahassee. What the people in Tallahassee are interested in doing is playing political ideology with our health care by interfering with our ability to get the health care we need when we need it. We'll also have your daily calendar of political events and check in with a Florida man who is threatening to deputize every law-abiding gun owner in Clay County to deal with civil rights protesters. Bonus points because the sheriff who doesn't like the Black Lives Movement is black. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Thursday, July 2nd. The COVID spike continues in Florida with 6,563 new cases reported Wednesday. That brings the total to almost 159,000 since March. The health department also reports an additional 45 fatalities. That increases Florida's death toll to at least 3,650. As we head into the 4th of July holiday, brace yourself for massive crowds at the beach, or at least the ones that are open. They're closed for the holiday in South Florida, but are still open in most parts of the state. And Governor Ron DeSantis says it's safer to party outdoors than it is inside. You know, doing things outdoors in Florida uh, is less risky than doing things where you're packed indoors. So I think having the parks and having beaches, obviously, you know, it needs to be controlled. I think most of the localities like Brevard and here in Volusia have done that. Um, but, but by and large, the virus does not like sunshine, heat and humidity. I think every study has shown that. I don't I think if you look at the contact tracing and I try to identify outbreaks, very few outbreaks. Uh, from something like a, like a park or, or a beach. And so let's understand that. Uh, for the 4th of July, uh, I'm more concerned about, you know, people crowding into the AC and having private private parties and things like that where you're, where you're real close, close contact. Virus likes that kind of an environment better. Uh, and so people do that. Now, we've talked about avoiding uh, closed spaces, really close contact, uh, particularly in areas that have poor ventilation. And I think as you look and to see around the world, in the United States and Florida, where some of the outbreaks and clusters emerge from, uh, it's a pretty consistent theme about really those 
really close uh, indoor things. And so I just think that. But I think the, the, the most important message as you're looking, um, because we're seeing these cases from coast to coast across the Sun Belt, uh, from Los Angeles to the Carolinas, obviously Florida, Georgia uh, is involved in that, Texas. Um, part of that is because we're testing more, but you are seeing higher levels of people test. The positive rate uh, used to be, I mean, in May, we were 2%, 3% as a state. And um, you know now we've been uh, 10 to 15% pretty much for the past uh, two weeks. Uh, so that is something that uh, we would like to see go back down. Um, and part of that is just people, I think if they, now that they understand again, because I think after Memorial Day, when it fell out of the news, people kind of just thought it's over because our numbers were very low, very consistent all through May, beginning of June. And then I think kind of some of the just easy things that you can do, uh, I think fell down the, by the wayside a little bit. Now people understand this thing doesn't just go away. You can do a lot of things. If you just take some small precautions, you're going to be okay. One of those small precautions the governor mentioned is the use of a protective mask. He recommends it, but will not make it mandatory. State Senator Gary Farmer of Broward County says that's one of the governor's biggest mistakes during the pandemic. The governor has uh, just uh, as recently as yesterday addressed uh, his reluctance to institute a statewide face mask requirement. And the reason he says he doesn't want to do it is it's too hard to police. Well, you know, if that were the case, um, we wouldn't have speed limits because people speed anyway, and it's hard to catch everybody. Um, we need to do more. St statistics show that if you and I are in a room or in a, in, a, in a close proximity to one another, and we're both wearing masks, the chance of either of us getting infected is about 1%. Uh, these are common sense things, and we must mandate these masks because, unfortunately, it's become a political statement rather than a necessary health precaution, as it should be. Uh, we wear masks to protect others. You wear a mask to protect me. I wear a mask to protect you. This needs to be about we, not me. And this is not a political statement. This is about the health of Floridians. Senator Annette Tadeo of Miami-Dade says Floridians are looking for leadership, but DeSantis has been a follower. You know, for much of this pandemic, the governor's approach, like the president's, has been hands off. We saw this in reporting transparency, in stay-at-home orders, in beach closings, in wearing masks, and in bringing down these incredibly high numbers. It's like he's reluctant to take on a uh, a fight to stop the virus, always running after it instead of getting in front of it. Senator Perry Thurston of Broward is especially annoyed at the way the governor has tried to minimize the significance of the spike in new cases over the past couple of weeks. To not address the fact that we've got these spiking numbers, thousands and thousands of cases per day, as if it's okay and to minimize it, I think that's insulting to the state as well as leading to even worse outcomes. I think if you don't even take into consideration in your explanation during your press conference, you just say that like that's okay, then you're not taking this seriously. And I think what we see is a continuation of leadership being a day late and a dollar short. They were a day late and a dollar short when it came time to shut down the the economy because of what was going on, because we preferred the economics over people's lives. They were a day late and a dollar short on masks because we preferred 
to follow the Trump mantra, I, I would assume. But now we're a day late and a dollar short with regards to these fights. Senator Lori Berman of Palm Beach County says Florida is also failing when it comes to testing and contact tracing so that infected persons can be isolated. We have seen lines at our testing places in Palm Beach County. One of our testing sites is now closed until Monday. People are waiting hours on the phone to get an appointment, hours to get the testing when they go there. And now we're hearing that people are waiting seven days, 11 days to get their test results. This is not the way that we're gonna be able to solve this problem. I sent a letter to the governor several weeks ago and I asked them to create a statewide test task force, a TTSI task force for testing, tracing and social isolation. You know, we right now we're, we're relying on each individual county to have to do all that on their own. We need to have a statewide policy so that when there is a problem with testing that, that we're missing test kits or people are having to wait too long to get the results. When there is a problem with tracing, when there's not enough people, when there's a problem with isolation, there should be one entity in the state that we can all go to. We also need to make sure that the testing is free. People need to be able to get the test done for free and know that it's not going to cost them because we want everyone to be tested. We want to promote testing and we need to continue to assure that it's being done. So we have an obligation in this state to protect our people and we are failing. We don't have a unified force that's helping with testing, tracing and isolation. And even when the governor does something they like, the Democrats have issues with how he does it. Consider the state moratorium on evictions. They had to hound the governor to extend it for June and then July, and both times he waited until a few hours before the deadline to take action. Senator Jose Javier Rodriguez of Miami-Dade says there's no reason to put everyone through the ringer. The last few times the governor has chosen to do this at the 11th hour. So keeping tenants and small landlords on edge until literally the last moment. I mean, he's done it repeatedly. We called him out on it last time and he did exactly the same thing, hours to spare. He was asked about it at a press conference. There isn't really a plan. They're kind of flying by the seat of their pants. Um, it, it, it is worrisome that you know these really monumental uh, orders are extended with you know hours to go. What are you thinking? Where are you going? What's the metric that you're using? We get nothing. All we get is, and I don't know if they're doing it just to draw more attention and hype. I mean, I, I, I don't, I hope that's not it. I don't think that's it, but it's really hard. No one has been able to discern why they wait until the last humanly possible minute to make a decision. When the governor was asked about the delays in approving the eviction moratoriums, he said, we've got a lot going on and are doing the best we can. Senator Janet Cruz of Tampa says Florida's response is more like a bad game show. I keep looking at what's going on here and all I see is Ronnie's wheel of misfortune. You know, I feel like I'm watching the, the wheel of misfortune spin and which group is most at risk, which group um, is going to suffer. If it's not those that are out of a job and can't pay rent, then um, is it the teachers who are going back to school too soon? Uh, landlords that are um, that are stuck not being able to enforce an eviction yet, don't have a, a stream of revenue coming in for their rental property? Is it seniors because people don't have to wear masks and are putting them at risk? Is it the minority population who lives in multi-generational households? So, you know, you pick it. What uh, 
spin the wheel of misfortune and decide what group suffers this this week. July 1st may go down as a dark day for Florida agriculture. The U.S.-Mexico-Canada trade agreement, known as USMCA, just took effect. Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed says that agreement does nothing to protect southeastern seasonal produce growers from continued unfair foreign trade. Florida is one of the top states for productions of tomatoes, strawberries, peppers, blueberries, cucumbers, and more. It's valued at over $1 billion. But without protections for the seasonal produce industry, Freed says the USMCA may cost Florida farmers up to 8,000 jobs and $400 million in lost revenue. Those growers are already facing over $522 million in losses since March due to COVID-19. Any person under the age of 18 now needs permission from a parent or guardian to get an abortion in Florida. The governor has signed SB 404, sponsored by Senator Kelly Stargell of Lakeland. She says it's been too easy for underage girls to get an abortion without informing their parents, let alone getting their consent. I thought for sure my mother would kill me when I told her that I was pregnant underage. It was a wonderful time in our relationship when I did tell my mother that I was pregnant. She advised me to have an abortion. I chose not to have the abortion. But through that process, we are closer. I have other family members who didn't do that. They went on and had the abortion. And there's been a forever wedge in that relationship because the person feels the guilt from never including their family members in something this vital, the person who's shown them unconditional love. But Stephanie Frame with Planned Parenthood says most girls do talk to their parents if they become pregnant. And those who don't have good reasons. She says Florida's new law is a dog whistle for the anti-abortion crowd and does nothing to improve maternal or child health. It's just breathtaking in what they're actually saying about what they care about. And, and we know there isn't the kind of investment in the health care safety net for new moms, the health care safety net for new babies, especially in communities of color. We know we have high infant and maternal mortality rates. And so rather than spending their time worrying about parental consent, let's spend our energy in strengthening the health care safety net for people who choose to become parents and for children who are born and need health care. That's where our energy ought to go. Planned Parenthood will be challenging the new law, but they haven't filed anything yet, which means parental consent is now required under Florida law. You'll hear more from Frame right after this. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast, and we are much obliged. The Florida Hospital Association has released the OPEN Plan, designed to allow Florida's safe resumption of elective surgeries and procedures. OPEN stands for O, observe the COVID-19 rate of community occurrence. P, prevent transmission. E, establish the process to restore elective surgeries and procedures. And N, network with all healthcare providers. You can read the open plan today at FHA.org. Welcome back to Sunrise. Our guest today is Stephanie Frame, Director of Planned Parenthood of Southwest and Central Florida, which provides health care services in 22 counties. Her group was one of the outspoken opponents of Florida's new law requiring parental consent for minors to obtain an abortion. Planned Parenthood's critics claim the group is only concerned about its profits, but Frame says their mission is to provide affordable access to comprehensive sexual and reproductive health care and accurate health information. And she says this new law is based on politics and misinformation. Well, it's dangerous for young people. Um, what we know is you know, everyone wants their teens to turn to them. Every parent wants their teen to turn to them in a time uh, to make uh, tough decisions. And we know that 7 out of 10 teens do turn to a parent or a trusted adult when they're facing the decision about having an abortion. And for the three who don't, they don't for a reason, because it's not safe. And those 
for those teens, this law puts them at even greater risk. What kind of situations make it impossible for kids to talk to their parents about this? Well, sometimes the parent is the father of the child. Sometimes it's a boyfriend sometimes of a parent. Um, so those are tricky situations or another family member. Sometimes the household is just generally violent. And if a teen reveals their pregnancy, they may uh, experience injury. We know that for um, about 50% of the teens who tell us they couldn't tell their parents, they did experience some level of physical violence when they had to tell their parents about their pregnancy. We also have heard a lot about the theory that this bill in and of itself is not the problem. It's what it is designed to do, and that is overturn the fundamental abortion rights in Florida that were guaranteed under the uh, TW decision back in 1989. Can you run us through that scenario? Well, we've seen that all over the country, haven't we? And here in Florida, we have a number of bills that have been introduced that are designed specifically to challenge the constitutional right uh, to privacy and, and therefore to have uh, make your own medical decisions, including the decision to have an abortion. And so, um, as a matter of fact, the Supreme Court decision this week was in uh, about the Louisiana case was exactly that. And the Supreme Court called out the fact that they knew that this law was put in place for political reasons, not health care reasons. None of these laws that we've seen here in Florida or around the country have are grounded in medical science. They're completely medically unnecessary, which is why, of course, the American Medical Association and the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists oppose these laws because they know it's not good medical care. For the good medical care, you want your physician and the patient to be making those decisions, not a bunch of people in Tallahassee. What the people in Tallahassee are interested in doing is playing political ideology with our health care by interfering with our ability to get the health care we need when we need it. So obviously there's going to be a court challenge. Do you go to the state first because it's a state law, or do you go right to the feds and not take your chance on the new and, well, shall we say, radically more conservative Florida Supreme Court? Well, we're certainly considering all of our options and our path. We're looking at all the different pathways. Our number one goal uh, in any kind of challenge, is to protect our patients and protect the people of Florida who deserve to make their own health care decisions and get their health care when they need it. So you haven't decided which route to take yet? We have not. I've been covering this stuff in, in Florida since 1978, and these abortion wars never seem to stop. Are we doomed to this fight for the rest of our lives and beyond? Well, I hope not. I hope that our rising electorate, these young people who are taking to the streets and demanding justice uh, in all the intersectional parts of our life, uh, feel very clearly that their bodies are their own and that bodily autonomy is an essential American right. And that includes their safety um, and, and their right to make their own medical decisions. So I have a lot of hope in these young people uh, and what they're demanding and the changes they're going to bring, I believe, in this next election as they vote for candidates who um, will protect their right to health care and their safety and their right to uh, quality education and all the other things we've counted on in this country to make it great. Now, this may sound kind of flippant, but do you ever look at the uh, people opposing the mask and insisting on choice and just kind of smack yourself in the head and say, what the hell? There is sort of a breathtaking ir irony to it, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. <sighs> so choice in everything but pregnancy-related decisions. That's the, the key now, right? Well, 
for a very long time, our, our, uh, the people who sit in our legislatures and pr- uh, promote these laws have said small government, small government, small government, except when it comes to my body, when it, except when it comes to my ability to make health care decisions. As we like to say, they like a government small enough to sit inside our uteruses. This bill also has a provision that supposedly protects infants who are born alive. Is that just a dog whistle? Yes. Yeah. That's a, yeah, is that, that's I mean, is a, that a real problem? Are there that many children being aborted who are actually alive? Of course not. That's called murder, um, and that doesn't happen. So we already have laws against that. That's a complete fabrication uh, of the procedure and, and just something that they put in there uh, to, you know, throw up dust to um, confuse people when, in fact, what they're really talking about is interfering with the physician and their patient and the good medical care that ought to be happening between the two of those people. Technically, the law took effect today. How soon do you try to get an appeal going to get a stay in place, or is this something people have to live with for now? Yes, we have to live with it. We've implemented it today. My staff has all new procedures and new paperwork to implement this today. So it's underway, um, and we will be making decisions about how to challenge this as quickly as possible. How does that work where you get a notarized written consent statement? Yeah, exactly. Well, remember that we already have a law that requires a notarized um, notification. So this is an extension of that. And so the young person has to go to their parent uh, and with a document have it signed and notarized. So we try and have notaries inside our health center to help that process, and we have attorneys um, who will help young people who want to get a judicial bypass. So we've tried to build build systems and make this as um, easy as possible for the young person. Um, and, of course, what we know is most teens will get their parental consent because, um, you know, parents do want what's best for their young person, and clearly they've made the decision that this is not the time for that teen to become a parent. So for the 7 out of 10 who do get parental um, consent, this won't be a problem. It's for those other three that are in very difficult circumstances that we're going to, you know, have attorneys and people who can help them get through this and keep them safe. What's your prediction on the future of this law? Of this law? Yeah. Well, I think it's going to be just like it the past, right? It's already been found unconstitutional. It's been found unconstitutional in Florida in the past. Clearly, um, really reasonable people in the judiciary said this is unconstitutional. So it is my prediction that once again, um, they will see that this is an unconstitutional um, law for the people of Florida. Right now, no matter what, we're still seeing patients and abortion care is accessible here in Florida, as is family planning, birth control, and all the other reproductive health care you need. So these laws may create a roadblock, um, but they're not stopping us from providing the care that Floridians need to take care of themselves. Your calendar of events begins at the Florida Supreme Court, releasing weekly opinions at 11 this morning. The Innocence Project of Florida is hosting an online discussion at 11 to talk about racial bias in policing. The Department of Agriculture's Medical Cannabis Advisory Committee meets in a conference call at 4. Finally today, a Florida man who works as a sheriff is threatening to deputize every law-abiding gun owner in Clay County to keep protesters under control. Sheriff Daryl Daniels is black, but he has no sympathy for the Black Lives Matter movement and describes the civil rights protesters as godless disruptors. Insert Daryl Daniels, you've been warned. 
Daniels is a first-term sheriff up for re-election who has said he would like to be a congressman one day. He's also under investigation by the Florida Department of Law Enforcement related to an affair he had with a fellow officer and a subsequent false arrest of that officer. That's it for today's episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.